Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institutes, Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. We're trying something a little bit different with this episode. We're revisiting some articles printed originally in our chapter publication, Community Assets. The topic for this issue is hoarding and community associations. This article, titled Hoarding and Associations, when the accumulation of stuff requires intervention, was originally published in the May 2016 issue of Community Assets and was authored by Josephine Wolf and Scott McNair, attorneys with the law firm Clemens, Richter, and Reese. With the rising popularity of A&E's hoarding, Buried Alive, and HGTV home improvement television shows, as well as easier accessibility to stuff, The presence of hoarding behavior in the United States has gained increased public awareness and concern. Hoarding disorder, or pathological hoarding, is recognized by the American Psychiatric Association as a distinct condition characterized by the following. The accumulation of and ability to discard or otherwise dispose of a large number of objects that are seemingly of little or no value, extensive disorganized clutter, which prevents the effective and intended use of spaces and interferes with everyday living, excessive and compulsive shopping, and impairments in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. Some of the attendant psychological symptoms associated with hoarding include strong positive feelings of joy or delight when obtaining new items, strong negative feelings such as anger, guilt, or fear when faced with getting rid of items, a belief that useless items are valuable and may be useful at a future time, and a belief that inanimate objects have feelings. There is no prototype of a typical hoarder, as individuals who hoard encompass all economical strata and gender. Hoarding behavior typically begins during teenage years and often worsens gradually over time. This disorder is believed to be sparked by a traumatic event in an individual's life, such as the loss of a loved one. Many hoarders are described as experiencing euphoria or a high when accumulating items, akin to that experienced by drug abusers. It is important to recognize, however, that not all individuals who collect items are properly classified as hoarders. In contrast, collectors deliberately accumulate a special assortment of items in a well-organized manner, recognized by most individuals as being valuable. Items in collections are planned and actively sought out, acquired, organized, cataloged, displayed, and never or rarely used. The boundary between a collection and hoarding becomes blurred where mismanagement of of unrelated items results in excessive clutter, impinging on one's ability to perform basic household and other functions. How can an individual suffering from a hoarding disorder be identified? In some cases, the clutter and unsanitary conditions associated with hoarding are open and obvious to neighbors and are quickly brought to the attention of a property manager or the board of a community association. However, in other instances, a hoarder is only discovered after uncleanliness and unsanitary conditions leads to the emission of odors or infestation of vermin or insects, which may spread to neighboring units or properties. For instance, 
The hoarding of paper products like newspapers, books, etc., can create an ideal living space for mice or rats, which in turn carry parasitic insects such as fleas and bedbugs. Even pest control experts have extreme difficulty eradicating a vermin or insect infestation with traditional use of fumigation, sprays, or traps in a hoarding situation. Besides unsanitary conditions, which may lead to widespread pest infestation, mold, and disease or illness, hoarding also may cause structural issues, dangerous electric or gas appliances, fire hazards, and flooding. The presence of uncontrolled clutter can also prevent emergency services from access to homes and occupants, thus making them unable to render aid in case of emergencies. Moreover, the presence of unsanitary conditions, an inordinate number of pets, and danger of collapse may also put emergency personnel at risk of harm. Accordingly, the hazards created by individuals suffering from hoarding are far-reaching and, for purposes of a community or condominium association, may be dire and should not be ignored. An association could be held liable for failure to act upon being notified of a hoarding situation in cases where other units are damaged as a result of a fire or in cases where other unit owners are detrimentally affected by the spread of bugs, mold, and vermin. Inevitably, this begs the question, what can we as community association professionals do to effectively respond to hoarding behavior? When an association becomes aware of a suspected hoarding situation, the board must look to its governing documents for relevant authority to act. Many documents extend broad rulemaking powers, set forth access easements, and permit direct in intervention like self-help. Whether and the extent to which a board can or must act will depend upon the circumstances. In most cases, however, investigation and due diligence is warranted. This may include contacting the owner or resident, neighbors, and township or borough officials. Municipalities are often willing to assist in an investigation because hoarding behavior may constitute a violation of local ordinances. The municipality may also be in contact with local agencies which can assist, including the SPCA, hoarding task forces, local mental health agencies, and the county agency on aging. Moreover, in anticipation of the situation worsening, the association's legal counsel should also be contacted. In some cases, an association's governing documents will provide the board with the power to enter a unit based on a suspected violation. For example, nuisance, duty to maintain a unit in good, clean, and san sanitary conditions, etc. Even if specifically authorized, however, self-help may be too risky and thus inappropriate. A board may be able to rely on the local code enforcement officer to obtain an administrative search warrant from a magisterial district court judge which requires probable cause of the violation of a municipal ordinance. Simultaneously, a preliminary injunction petition should be filed which requests that the court order an individual to refrain from certain activity, like the requirement an individual removes and disposes of items and trash in a timely manner, permitting the plaintiff the ability to inspect the premises, and giving the defending party the responsibility to maintain the property in a safe, clean, and orderly manner. 
The court may also define the consequences of an individual's failure to abide by the order, which may include sanctions. Although certain legal criteria must be met prior to the granting of a preliminary junction petition, in hoarding cases, the satisfaction of these requirements is typically readily achievable. Although hoarding is treatable by mental health professionals, simply cleaning out a unit or residence without addressing underlying psychological causes will likely result in recidivism. Therefore, in responding to these unfortunate situations, it is important to not only be knowledgeable and sensitive to the attendant mental health issues underlying the behavior, but to the extent possible, provide a positive motivation for change and attempt to get the individual suffering from hoarding disorder actively involved in assisting the decluttering. In addition, recommending treatment in the form of support groups and counseling may prove vital in curtailing future behavior. Regardless of the reason why hoarding behavior starts, it is important to orchestrate positive and impactful changes by working in harmony with the affected individual, his or her friends, family, and neighbors, municipal officials, legal counsel, mental health, and cleanup professionals, as well as community organizations, in order to ensure that the unit and the property is restored to a safe, sanitary, and functioning state. One footnote. During the initial investigation phase of a hoarding case, in order to determine the existence and or severity of a hoarding situation, gather as many facts as possible. Start with talking to neighboring unit owners. Next, attempt contact with the suspected hoarder themselves. In discussions with the suspected hoarder, avoid using negative words such as trash or junk or hoard to describe a hoarding situation as individuals oftentimes find these characterizations as derogatory and stigmatizing. Replace such words with more neutral terms like items, belongings, or collection, and initially focus on safety concerns as opposed to the immediate removal of items as this may evoke strong negative reactions from individuals suffering from a hoarding disorder. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Community Matters Podcast. We'll be introducing more articles from previously published magazines as upcoming podcast episodes, so stay tuned. If you'd like more information, resources, and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit us on the web at www.cai-pa.delval.org. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) 